This show has explicit language and probably has mature themes. Hey, John, would you be giving us that intro lick? Explanations. I'm Dexter Sorensen. I look some stuff up on Wikipedia, watch some Vsauce and SciShow about it, and I'm gonna explain it to my friend David Drondell. David, hello, dude. Hey. Hey. What are we gonna explain to me today? Dead whales. <laughs> okay. Yep. Dead whales. Yeah, we'll get into it. Um, but so whales are they're fucking huge. Open your other eye. Wake up. <laughs> Wake the fuck up. <laughs> you said give you a wink. Yeah. Wink implies that you open your eye again. So anyway, whales, they're fucking huge. We talked about the largest of them, the blue whale and the largest organisms episode. And they're, the blue whale is the largest thing that's ever lived on Earth, ever. They can weigh over 200 tons and be over 180 feet long. And you could like walk through their arteries and their tongue can weigh as much as an adult elephant. So needless to say, when something as huge as a whale dies, it's bound to be interesting. We're going to talk about three things concerning dead whales, the most depressing first. We're going to talk about beached whales, then we're going to talk about exploding whales, and then we're going to talk about whale falls. Okay. Yeah. So uh, beached whales first. Wikipedia redirects beach whales to the page Cetacean Strandings, which includes dolphins. Cetaceans. Yeah, sure. It's, yeah. Um, the page says, Cetacean Strandings, commonly known as beaching, is a phenomenon in which whales and dolphins strand themselves on land, usually on a beach. Beached whales often die due to dehydration, collapsing under their own weight, or drowning when high tide covers the blowholes. Okay. It's kind of sad. Yeah. And drowning, drowning on the beach. Drowning on the beach. It's just like a weird ironic fate. For right? Me. I didn't think about that last one. Yeah, me neither. I that had never occurred to me. No. I thought mostly like with the big ones, yeah, mostly they suffocate under their own weight. Yeah. Uh I never thought about like how dolphins die necessarily though. Yeah. I figured I guess when I was a kid I thought they just like dried out and that killed them or something. <laughs> Yeah, dehydration, mostly. Um, but every year, about 2,000 animals beach themselves. And only 10 species frequently dispa- display mass beachings. And all of them are toothed whales, rather than baleen whales. Right, which are typically smaller, but not always. The sperm whale is the largest of the toothed whales. Yeah. And although body size doesn't actually correlate to the frequency of beaching... Whales' normal habitat and social structure does correlate. Sure. So, like, the toothed whales, like spoon, sperm, <laughs> spoon, sperm whales you were just talking about that normally live in deep waters and live in, like, large, tight-knit groups, they're the most susceptible to mass beaching. Are they deep water species? Deep water species. So, like, sperm whales beach a lot? Yeah. Oh, um, man. Whales and dolphins that spend most of their time in shallow and coastal waters almost never mass strand. 
okay, so something's going wrong. Mm-hmm. And there's actually like numerous explanations for why beachings happen, but none have been universally accepted. It's just and so I think that unusual. It is. I think they happen for different reasons in different scenarios. Okay. I'm sure we'll get into that, right? Yeah, we will. Um, like we alluded to earlier, a key factor appears to be the strong social cohesion of toothed whales. Like if one gets in trouble, its distress calls may prompt the rest of the pod to follow and beach themselves alongside it. Oh, dude. So like one insane member yeah. might just lead everybody else. Yep. And there has also been a definitive link between the military use of high-frequency sonar and mass beachings, and we'll talk about that at the end of this segment. Oh, man, that's rough. <sighs> yeah, that's why I'm saying we're going to talk about the most depressing part first. Um, so let's get into the theories for what causes mass beachings, or responsible what causes beachings. Sometimes environmental causes may be responsible, like rough weather, illness, or weakness due to old age. Difficulty giving birth or navigational errors. Okay. Like in 2004, scientists at the University of Tasmania linked whale strandings and weather. What they think is uh, cool Antarctic winters that are rich in squid and fish flow north, and then whales follow their prey closer to land and end up being beached. And then in some cases, predators like killer whales have been known to panic other whales, other whales, panic whales, hurting them ashore. Okay. Like intentionally? Yeah. Okay. And then another thing is their system of navigation, echolocation, can have a hard time picking up like a really gently sloping coastline. Oh. Yeah. Like the University of Western Australia Bioacoustics Group they propose that repeated reflections between the surface and the seafloor um, weaken the sound so much that the echo is inaudible to whales. Oh, yeah, and then so they just don't see it. They just don't see until it it's because too late. because they perceive with the echolocation. Oh, that explains why deep water species are more susceptible. Mm-hmm. And then, like stirred up sand and like micro bubbles caused by rain or like torrential can like worsen the effect. I see. And Wikipedia says, this theory accounts for mass beaching hotspots such as Ocean Beach, Tasmania, and Geograph Bay, Western Australia, where the slope is about half a degree, around 26 feet deep, almost a mile out to sea. Wow. Yeah. Um, and that, those are places where whales frequently mass beach. Okay. Um, another type of beaching is called the quote-unquote follow me strandings and like sometimes in bad situations whales will habitually follow faster moving dolphins to escape danger oh um like in 2008 a local dolphin was followed out to open water by two pygmy sperm whales um because it had been trapped behind a sandbar Uh uh-huh and it followed the the dolphins out to sea and out to safety huh but if they come across a bad combination of tidal flow and seabed topography, the whale could just end up becoming trapped. This is a lot larger. It, yeah. I see. And end up beaching that way. Hmm. But yeah, the most universally accepted theory is the high-frequency sonar. Okay. The military used use. Um, and these theories have been advanced after necropsies of stranded whales have shown internal injuries and hemorrhaging. Oh. In stranded whales. 
Jeez. Yeah. Like large and rapid changes caused by the sonar, like in pressure, um, can really fuck with the whales. Basically, you're you're damaging their their like whole their ear perception. Structure, yeah. yeah, all of their and that's like their and it's that's like their way it's to like see and yeah, it's like smell to a dog or eyes to us. Yeah. After a navy sonar exercise in the Bahamas in March 2000, 17 whales were found beached. And the Navy accepted blame, agreeing that the whales experienced acoustically induced hemorrhages around the ears. Oof. God, that, that, man. Yeah. Doesn't sound pleasant either. Right? Well, it's just so fucking loud. And they're, like, so sensitive to sound. Yeah, and high frequency for them. Yep. Like the Yeah. The idea is, like, imagine if, yeah, a, a, if somebody were playing a really high-pitched note, so high-pitched that your ears started bleeding. And you just had to actually run away from it. Yep. And that's how you take it. It drove you insane. And yeah. And that's actually another way that sonar could be responsible for beaching, um, a form of decomp- decompression sickness. And it was like first raised in 2002 when 14 beaked whales were stranded about four hours after an international naval exercise. And they found uh, damage from gas bubble lesions, which pretty much shows that they got the bends. Jesus. So. And there's, yeah, there's a couple reasons why they could have gotten the bends. Okay, okay. Um, the first one is they could either be panicking and surfacing too quickly while trying to escape the sonar pulses. Okay. Or there, there's another theory that the sonar vibrations could cause supersaturated gases to form bubbles. Bubbles. That's what I was or thinking. Or cavitate. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, like when you crack your joints. Yeah, exactly. You're causing cavitation. cavitation. Yeah. Um, so it could which be is either the rapid of those vaporization or rapid. Yeah, vaporization or gaseation of like gases inside the liquids. Of yeah, exactly. It's basically anytime you cause a gas bubble inside liquid. Yep. Usually by creating a vacuum force. So yeah, they don't really know which of the which of those is to blame. Like, are they fucking just trying to get away from the noise so fast that they don't actually um, acclimate and take the time to? get to sur- to surface right because i but i you know you watch cetaceans in in documentaries and stuff like that and it seems like they're evolved to to be able to to operate in different pressures pretty rapidly yeah yeah but like i think those uh, like you see them those dive beaked they- whales uh, go further further down than like other whales and then they have to actively consider how fast to go up i see but like sperm whales they can just float to the surface um like they don't have to actually like use mental effort to get up or to depressurize because they don't go as deep as these beaked whales sperm whales go as deep as any whale yeah i might just be wrong that's why they have their spermaceti organ that's what allows them to go so deep they go deeper than any other whale no, but in the Ambergris episode, we talked about the spermaceti being like an echolocation cham- chamber for their sonar. It also serves a function in um, being able to decompression. Okay. All right. Um, but yeah, the beached whales part was the real depressing part. And we just got through that. So let's talk about exploding whales. Okay. <laughs> Mildly less depressing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so after a whale dies and ends up beached, especially near where people live, it becomes like a health risk. Sure. 
and a nuisance for the people who live there. Yeah, people. A lot of people seem to think that like, oh, like a carcass. It's part of nature. It's gonna like go back to the land and the soil. Yeah, but like it takes a long time for things to decompose to the point where they're especially, no longer putrid. And as long as they're putrid, they're kind of a health risk to everything that doesn't eat putrid stuff. Especially something that fucking giant. Exactly. It's gonna take a long time to putrefy. When they have the big old thick. Skin. Or not putrefy, decompose. Yeah. Um. Well, yeah, and when they're doing all that shit, they're really, really fucking stinky. Oh, yeah. like, And I bet they bloat up. Yeah, they do. One time, my cousin, brother, and I found a bloated sheep on the mountain, and my cousin decided to poke it with a shovel, and we literally had to fucking run away from the smell. It was, oh, man. It was oh. so bad. Like, like hundreds of yards we had to run away from. Oh, jeez. It was uh, so gross. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, when an animal dies, its insides begin to rot, creating methane. And also the processes of fermentation and putrefaction begin liquefying organs, creating gases like CO2, which build up in air pockets inside the carcass. That's what sure. bloating is. Yep. Um, not to mention, under their thick skin, whales have a thick layer of blubber, which can keep gases trapped inside the corpse far longer than that sheep we ran across in the mountains. Yeah. So they can, like, go explode up to, like, more than twice their normal size. Yeah, I think in one, in, like, planet Earth or something, <clears throat> um, maybe it was Blue Planet, uh, David Attenborough explained that, like, the, the, like, big holes will become rent in the whales sometimes, where, like, the gases expand to the point where, like, it tears through the, the animal yeah. in a weak spot. Yeah. Um. And then in especially larger whales, their own body weight can cause their blowhole, anus, and other organs to seal up. Oh. And so that just makes it even worse. Yeah, because they're basically meant for zero G. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so that just creates a perfect storm for an impending explosion. Uh. And then people can get fucking stupid and try to climb on the whale or poke at it. No. <laughs> yeah. And there, there have been cases. Why where, would you climb on a corpse? Why would you? What climb the hell is wrong with a these giant people? Fucking corpse. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stomp all over the huge dead thing, Dad. You go right ahead, son. Yeah. You stomp. You show that whale. I love you, son. Jump on it. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably a little squishy. Yeah, there's actually been cases where people who climbed up on a beached whale have been blown into the air <laughs> by exploding air and organs <laughs> rapidly being ejected. Oh my from the carcass. god! They were killed by the organs? No, no, no. They weren't killed, but oh. like they were literally blown into blown the air. Blown into the air with organs. <laughs> but I could just see like it's a big like rib, this, just like it's kind of what you get, like Final Destination style. Yeah. A massive rib yeah. just comes out and. That would actually be a good final destination scenario. <laughs> like, you're just, like, running on the beach and just, like, a beach whale explodes. <laughs> <laughs> you're just trying to it's get like away. It's, like, all slow-mo and ridiculous <laughs> with, like, shock waves and shit. <laughs> yeah. And then a bone fragment just gets him in the base of the skull. That'd be way worse than, than uh, just getting hit by a piece of wood falling off a truck. Yeah. I think they should do a final destination for like every single possible like vacation scenario <laughs> yeah. or just like I, I know just there be... should be as many final destinations as there are land before times. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, so like at least 23. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So in 2004 researchers in Taiwan were transporting a 60 ton sperm whale carcass 
on a flatbed truck to a university where they want to dissect it and study it. Man, what kind of resources do you need to... Di- well, here, here it took... Uh, it took like, what, you use a saw instead of a scalpel. It took three cranes, 50 workers, more than 13 hours to get the whale onto the back of the truck. Not worth it. No. And en route, the carcass exploded near the center of the city, Tianan. T-A-I-N-A-N, not Tianan, not like where the square is um, in Taiwan. Um, but it covered bystanders, houses, cars, and shop fronts with pl- with guts, blood, and other entrails. Jeez. There weren't any like physical injuries, but there's probably a lot of mental scarring. Yeah, I mean, yeah, whoever expects their house to just get covered in guts? Yeah, or shop front, you're like just selling... Your fruits. Uh, selling fruits, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> everything's just covered Your with baguettes. guts. <laughs> um, the scientists were still able to do a necropsy, and they found that the whale probably died by being hit by a large shipping vessel, which is why it exploded from the spine out to all the shops and all the people. Oh. Yeah. But now we're going to get to the exploding whale story I think you might have been waiting for. Yeah. Right here in good old Oregon. Yep. Florence on the Central Coast. It was on November 9th, 1970. A 45-foot-long, eight-short-ton sperm whale washed ashore in Florence. What is an eight-short-ton? Okay. I had to look this up because I didn't know. The difference between a short-ton and a, and a large-ton is a short-ton is an American-ton, and a large-ton is a British-ton. A short ton is 2,000 pounds, exactly, and a large ton is like 2,224 pounds. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah, that's basically the difference. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> a short ton. I like that, though. Yeah. Better than American ton. No, Just we, we have the short tons. Yeah. I like oh, it better, better than, than the... the yeah. 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 It okay. sounds cooler than American ton. I agree with that. American ton sounds like... <laughs> Something you drop after the morning after eating like tons of Texas barbecue. <laughs> An American ton. <laughs> or just like every morning for me after all those paps. <laughs> An American ton. I got to get rid of my American ton. <laughs> I had an uncle who always sang about uh, how we loved a massive in the morning. <laughs> I love a massive in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, at the time in 1970, the Oregon beaches were under the jurisdiction of the Oregon State Highway Division. And after consulting the yeah, Navy. that makes sense. Yeah. After consulting the Navy, they decided to remove the whale using dynamite. I guess probably just because they had the bulldozers. Like, that's the yeah. only thing I can figure. Right? There was a lot of coast highways. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, let's blow it up with dynamite. Yeah, makes perfect sense. They, let's take all this contained meat <laughs> and just. Blow what did it. they think was going to happen to well, the meat? It was going to vaporize. Well, what they thought was that the pieces would be small enough for birds and other scavengers to take care of. And that was based on just, their imagination, just thoughts. Yeah, just <laughs> like what occurred <laughs> to them when they thought about it. That's yeah. so fucking funny that like people were responsible for big decisions. Were like. Well, I thought about it, and in my mind's eye, it's the birds are just going to fly away with the chunks. Yeah. Wikipedia says, George Thornton, an engineer in charge of the operation, told an interviewer 
that he was not sure how much dynamite would be needed, saying that he had been chosen to remove the whale because his supervisor had gone hunting. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and so they decided to use uh, one... He ha- was basically just like, I'm incompetent. Um, uh, a lot. But, you know, my boss dynamite. is hunting right now. We got to get this taken care of. They used a one half short ton charge of dynamite. That's almost a thousand pounds. A thousand of pounds of dynamite. Yeah. And there was a military veteran there with explosive training who happened to be in the area. And he warned that the planned 20 cases of dynamite was far too much. And that twenty sticks or eight and a half pounds would have sufficed, <laughs> <laughs> but nobody listened to him. Um, and the dynamite was set off on November twelfth at three forty-five p.m. And the explosion sent huge chunks of blubber and whale chunks raining on the seventy or more bystanders who were left <laughs> running for their lives. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, poor fuckers. That's <laughs> right? funny. Just like covered in blubber and oh, blood. Man, rotten bubber, blubber and yeah. blood. Um, no one was seriously injured, but Wikipedia says the explosives expert veteran's brand new automobile purchased during a quote unquote get a whale of a deal promotion in a nearby city was flattened by a chunk of falling blubber. <laughs> Just ironic that it was purchased during Get a Whale of a Deal promotion. And then flattened by a whale. <laughs> and it was all actually caught on film by cameraman Doug Brazil for a story reported by news reporter Paul Lineman of KATU TV in Portland, Oregon. And you can actually watch it on YouTube. Um, but they had to run away. Like yeah. everyone else. Oh, yeah. So you like you see the explosion, and then you just have to run away. And ending his story, Linman noted that it might be concluded that should a whale ever wash ashore in Lane County again, those in charge will not only remember what to do, they'll certainly remember what not to do. (laughs) Which I didn't realize that Lane County actually goes all the way out to Florence. Oh, sure, yeah. Yeah. It's really weird. It's weird. All the way out to the coast. Um, So, like... When 41 sperm whales beached nearby in 1979, state park officials buried and burned them. Okay. Or I think they did it in the other order. Yeah, I was going to say that's quite a feat. Yeah. (laughs) But later that same day, Thornton, the engineer in charge, told the Eugene Register guard, it went just exactly right except the blast funneled the hole in the sand under the whale and that some of the whale chunks were subsequently blown back towards the onlookers in their cars. (laughs) 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 It went exactly right, except that it went fucking horribly wrong. (laughs) What the hell? What an asshole statement. What a fucking asshole. (laughs) Um, currently the Oregon State Parks Department policy is to bury whale carcasses where they land, and if the sand is not deep enough, they're relocated to another beach. Okay. Yeah. All right, let's talk about whale falls. Yeah. Yeah. I really like whale falls. Whale falls are fucking cool. This one is actually wholesome, I think. Oh, yeah, it's not. It's it's not. It's devoid of, like, human intervention. Yeah. 
and it's not like an exploding whale, which is entertaining but still sad, or in beached whales, which are just objectively sad. Yeah. Um, so when a whale dies and doesn't float to a beach, it can sink to the bottom of the ocean and create a unique complex ecosystem that can last for decades or even over a century. Over a century? I had no idea. Yeah. Man. has to be really deep, though. If a whale dies and sinks to shallow waters, scavengers can take care of the carcass over a relatively short period of time. Right. That's warm water. Yeah. Yeah. With, like, less hydrostatic pressure. Yeah, exactly. And it's, yeah, it's just a more dynamic uh more organisms live there yeah it's a uh it's like the rainforest as opposed to the arctic yeah kind of but yeah so but when it falls into really deep depths it creates an oasis of life in what can be described as an almost otherwise underwater desert yeah or what are known as abyssal depths yeah yeah um and the whole ecosystem is totally reliant on the whale dying and falling to the bottom of the ocean Right, it it springs up after the fact. Yeah, like you're talking about a desert where you don't really see anything, and the ground is made of what is called marine snow. It's just a blanket of just falling dead pieces of stuff. Dead pieces of stuff, and when we say dead pieces of stuff, it's mostly marine plankton mm. and uh, stuff like that. So w- it's called marine snow for a reason because it, it looks, looks like, like snow. snow. Yeah, yeah, it's like a uniform gray kind of. Actually, it looks pretty cool in pictures. Yeah, it does. It's very, very uniform. Yeah. Um, the only thing you'll see in it are like maybe worm tracks or other things like that. Um, but then the whale falls, and suddenly, yeah. well, not well. It s- happens. It happens in four stages. Okay. Um, stage one is called the mobile st- scavenger stage. Yep. And that's when Makes things sense. like deep sea sharks and ha- hagfish. Feed on the soft tissue of the whale carcass. Yeah, so like sleeper sharks. Yeah. Or like the Greenland shark. Hagfish, they're fucking gross looking. Hagfish are disgusting. Yeah, they have like fucking mucus membranes and like when they start eating into things and they don't have scales. Nope. They just have like a big long tail and they're fucking old. Yeah, yeah, like they're very, evolutionarily. very old. Um, they are vertebrates, but only barely. They don't they have, have a spine. Yeah. What they have is it's a like cartilaginous a um, cord called a notochord. And their mouths like kind of open up like the fucking predator. Yeah, they don't it's... have a jaw either. So what they have to do is call it's um, a form of rasping. So they they use muscles to close their mouth around a piece of meat, and then they form a knot starting at yeah. the tail, and they move the knot up their body until it gets to the head, and it forces and it, they push use the knot to push against um, the the corpse yeah and allows them to tear a small piece of flesh off and then they swallow it they can't and they chew just it keep doing it and they just keep doing that uh yeah they look kind of like eels but they're not definitely eels because they're not watch like a short video on a hagfish if you want to be creeped out and have bad dreams also they produce a ridiculous amount of slime yeah watch videos of people handling hagfish if you pick up a hagfish immediately massive goops of slime just start oozing out of the hagfish yeah. and onto you you can't even see where it oozes from they're just coated in slime yeah. all the time um actually we use them to make wallets and stuff like that. Really? Yeah. And so really like faux leather wallets. And hmm. so um, That's a couple years ago, a truck full of hagfish uh, crashed on I-5 and turned over and like 
cars were just coated in slime. The entire oh, road was coated I, in slime. I they had to bring in that. detergents. I didn't know it was hagfish. Yeah, it was hagfish that did that. Oh shit! So yeah, disgusting. I didn't know that they uh, that they like farm them. Yeah, we fish them now. Interesting. That's weird. It's part of partly because of the depletion of the oceans. Huh. Fishermen need to keep looking for new things. So yeah, the mobile scavenger stage is like relatively short and lasts about two years. And stage two is called the enrichment opportunist stage. And that's where smaller creatures like worms colonize the bones and surrounding sediment and finish up any organic material left over by sharks, hagfish, and other mobile scavengers. Uh, what are popularly known as zombie worms. Yeah. Um, yeah, they colonize the actual bones. Yeah, the zombie worms actually are regularly in um, higher depths. Okay. Um, so, like, a lot of the time, it won't get to the third or fourth stage if it falls to the lower depths because zombie worms actually eat the bones themselves. Right, right. Um, and so it just, like, that's it. You got the scavenger phase, and then you got the zombie worms that can just fucking eat the bones conti- entirely. Okay. Um, but, like, in the deep depths, there's, like, other worms that, like, go in Eat, eat basically whatever material that's left in the in the ground around the whale. I see. And like just small parts that the mobile scavengers couldn't get. Okay, they're kind of like more like detritivores. Yeah. And that lasts another two years. And then stage three is called the sulfuric stage. And that's basically when colonies of bacteria form a mat on the bones feeding on the lipids inside of them. Oh, weird. Yeah, and then colonies of creatures like tube worms and clams form a symbiotic relationship with the bacteria that are degrading the lipids. Whoa. Yeah. They, like, eat their waste or something? Yeah. And, like, or just the bacteria themselves. Okay. I'm not sure. Um, But it's actually very similar to ecosystems that form around hydrothermal vents on the ocean floor. Interesting. Yeah. It's like a little temporary oasis. Yeah, what this the sulfur-loving bacteria does is it accepts electrons from the sulfides and then excretes hydrogen sulfide, which is toxic to all but chemosynthetic bacteria. Oh, my goodness. So it's just, it's the same setup as the hydrothermal vents, just on a lower level. Yep. And fueled by biology instead of geology. That's crazy. It's fucking weird. That's so cool. Yeah. Who'd have thunk that, I mean... They're so similar, yet, like, from... Uh, that's so bizarre. And it's, it's a lot of the same bacterias. Right, right. Um, Except that, like, the bacteria that are releasing the sulfides, they're unique to this situation. Yeah. Well, I think they can actually travel Because the vents from... themselves release the hydrogen sulfide in yeah, the case of the... but they're this... sulfur-loving bacteria, so, like, they can just take stuff from the bones... Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Those into... ones wouldn't be necessary at the vents. Oh, what yeah. What function would they be able to, to... How would they make a living at the vents? Yeah. Oh, They're no, no, no. unique to the carcasses. Yeah, the ones on the bones themselves. Yeah, and, and those bacteria... create the circumstances similar to the vents that yeah. allow the normal vent-living critters to colonize yeah. the bones. That's crazy. Yeah, like mussels, clams, and... Tube worms. Tube worms and sea snails. Probably the associated uh, shrimps. Yep. And then, uh, but yeah, like, that's because whale bones 
are super rich in lipids and actually can account for four to six percent of a whale's body weight. Whoa. Which is I wonder if they're so rich in fat. Rich in fat to make them more buoyant. That sounds that sounds like a good good summation. Um, or to make them more watertight? Who knows? I, yeah, I don't know. But yeah, that stage, the sulfuric stage, can last 50 to 100 years. Whoa. A long fucking time. Wow. And then after that, the fourth stage is a bit more speculative, and it's called the reef stage. Okay. And that's basically the skeleton forms a semi-permanent structure, just like a reef. And then suspension feeders can latch onto the skeleton and eat whatever it can catch with mucus tendrils or elaborate gill structures to bring food into its mouth. Oh, so like um, deep sea sponges? Yeah, stuff like that. They collect marine snow? Because a lot of things just eat marine snow itself. Yeah. So like a whale dies, falls to the bottom of the ocean, and supports a completely unique ecosystem that can last for over 100 years. And some of those whales may have lived 100 years, but... So, like, basically, they can support an ecosystem that lasts almost, if not longer, than their entire their lifespan. Life. Wow. Which is kind of fucking crazy and cool. And it might be really kind of beautiful. Yeah, beautiful. Like, think about, I wish that I could say the same, you know, of my body when I was done, that it supported, a, like, a unique ecosystem that lasted as long as my life. That would yeah, be a beautiful thing be to be able to think thing. that, like, at the end of my life, that would be what that became be, yeah. of it. I feel um, like that would be almost like a religious. It wouldn't yeah. last. It wouldn't last as long. But I mean, if you were to sink to the bottom of the ocean, you'd probably be cleared up by hagfish and mobile scavengers. True. <laughs> uh, that part doesn't make me. Yeah, that doesn't make me feel it's spiritual not, at it's all. Not quite as whole, it's not quite as wholesome. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so here's a question: How do all these animals find whale falls? Stinky. Like, yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But they must have evolved sort of a lifestyle that allows them to travel really long distances between hydrothermal vents and whale falls. And this is where it gets to like what I think is the most curious part. So whales and cetaceans used to actually be land mammals and only moved to be aquatic mammals around 50 million years ago. Oh my goodness, I didn't but, think about that. But yeah. all of the critters that are colonizing them are much older than that. Yeah, and on a like on a s- evolutionary time scale, that's like a super short amount of time. Like compared to a calendar, that's like yesterday or a week ago. Yeah, sure. I mean, the dinosaurs died out well, like what sixty nine million years ago. Yeah, um, and a lot of organisms that live on, like you were just saying, um, th- or their family members predate the existence of whales. Yeah. So like what and sort of those hydrothermal vent communities, yeah, like those are supposed absolutely. to be some of the most ancient life-bearing communities on Earth. Yeah. So what were they eating before the whales came about? I got an answer for you. I'm just asking rhetorically. Oh, I would say massive reptiles. Yep. A team of scientists from the Center for Research in Earth Sciences at Plymouth University in 2014 excavated and studied the remains of an ichthyosaur deposited in concrete-like sediment in the on the UK coast. 
You know, I didn't realize there were some ichthyosaurs because there were like some big reptiles like the mosasaur. Yeah. Mosasaurs got huge. But there Just are... to say, ichthyosaurs are large, extinct marine reptiles that lived in the Jurassic period. That somewhat resemble like dolphins. Yeah, they're kind of like long-faced, weird dolphins. They're like bottlenose guys, but like with shark tails. Yeah. Um, but anyway, there were ichthyosaurs, mostly kind of like dolphin-sized, but there were some that got like... As big, nearly huge, as yeah, yeah, huge, like nearly as big as like sperm whales. Yeah, and yeah, like we were saying, they lived in the Jurassic period, so like between two two hundred and sixty five million years ago. Um, and they weren't really dinosaurs, but you can think of them as dinosaurs of the sea. Um, and as of wait, sorry, you said the Jurassic period, and then you said from two hundred million years ago to sixty five million years ago. Yeah. The or final, 69 is the, what you were saying. No, you, you're right. It was 65. I misspoke when I said 69. But the final, I thought the final, it goes Triassic, Jurassic, Cretaceous. I think you know about this better than I okay, do. Okay, yeah. The final period was the Cretaceous mm. in which dinosaurs were around. Okay. Okay. Um, but to date, or rather, as of 2014, only three to five ichthyosaurs falls ichthyothor ichthyothor <laughs> only uh three to five of, of their falls had been found but this fall found by the plymouth university team showed signs of stages one two and four whale falls okay so yeah we would actually probably call them ichthyosaur falls um they found teeth marks on the bones which is evidence of the mobile scavenger phase they found five pointed bite marks on the bones, which is evidence of the sea urchin bites, which are characteristic of stage two. Okay. Which is the enrichment opportunist phase. Um, furthermore, they found non symbiotic tube worms, scallops, clams, and oysters, which is evidence for the stage, of the reef stage. Oh. But they didn't. They found some evidence for the sulfur-loving bacteria that could work sort of like the bacteria found in stage three. But they didn't find any corresponding mussels, clams, or symbiotic tube tube worms, hmm. characteristic of the sulfur-loving stage. I wonder if there's a reason why they might not have been preserved. There's a couple of uh, reasons why they think they might not have been there. Neither of them have to deal with why they might not have been preserved. But firstly, the ichthyosaur was found in relatively shallow waters. Oh, I see. And whale falls in shallow waters also frequently don't have the third sulfuric stage because the bones are consumed too fast. By the zombie by worms. By the zombie worms. Um, and so the bacteria can't form. Or um, because they need a more anaerobic environment with more hydrostatic pressure. And then secondly... The sulfur-loving bacteria communities might not have even evolved yet a way to exist on dead animal falls. Huh. From the hydrothermal vents. They might not have even just evolved a way to get from the hydrothermal vents to the animal falls and survive on them. Right. I could see how if... if Bacteria, <clears throat> while being very ancient, also evolve much faster than virtually any other organism on Earth. First yeah. off, bacteria of numbers and lifespan. Exactly. So, like, we evolve not as a function of time, but as a function of generations. Yeah. Right. So, if you can have a hundred generations in the time it takes me to have one, you evolve a hundred times faster. And that's than why me. we like we're constantly in a struggle to 
get uh, antibacterials that just continue to work. Yeah. And then the, the other advantage bacteria have is that they do this bizarre thing that's pretty much unique to bacteria where they can, one bacteria um, that happens to be next to another can exchange genes through its pores. And if a bacteria... Oh, weird. Yeah, they just exchange genetic material through their pores. Is it specific or is it like their whole sequence? Chunks of the sequence. Like it's relevant just like, chunks or just like random chunks? Um, I would Relevant in that a single chunk is a functioning... Like, is a functioning protein writing yeah. tool. So, like, basically, you can, it can then decide to inherit, God, it can decide to inherit any one of those chunks that it finds advantageous. That's fucked. Um, That's... And the exact mechanism of choosing, I'm not sure how that works. Yeah. But, because certainly it's obviously it's not intelligent. No, yeah, it's um, not like a but, decision. Yeah, makes. it's not a real decision. I'm just using convenient language. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they can, bacteria can evolve in real time even without reproducing simply by exchanging genetic material amongst each other. Huh. Yeah, so, but yeah, like, uh, that's what I thought was the most interesting part is that, like, the stuff that lives on whale falls predates whales. Whales. And so they were probably living on ichthyosaurs. And these things and called mosasaurs and plesiosaurs, which is like what, like, you know, Nessie okay, yeah. is a plesiosaur, like yeah. the long necked the, yeah. sealed ones. And then Mosasaurs were like the, the ones, hmm, they're like giant sea gators almost. Oh really? Yeah. They were the biggest. They, they were the only ones that came close to rivaling, you know, big modern, whales, modern whales. Yeah. Modern large whales. Yeah. And it may have been, I was just thinking about this. It may be that, um, None of those animals were ever equipped to dive really deep to in search of like squid and stuff like that. Like yeah. a lot of whales these days, they dive really deep for squid. And so, if if whales today are actually better adapted for the depths than the reptiles of the past, which they I can easily more see, prone to... they might be more prone to falling in those deep, deep yeah, abyssal depths. Otherwise, especially for a whale, you'd either have to be scavenged enough for the air to be released or you would have to like for some other reason maybe if your like lungs were already completely empty right but um, yeah like i usually I, I agree with you usually you'd be a drift whale and exactly. then end up beaching yeah why yeah you float when you die just like yeah. you float when you're alive yeah. and so it makes it only really makes sense that they end in the deep deep depths um if they are already down there when they die yeah yeah um, that's basically what I got about dead whales. You got anything else you want to talk about or had thought about? Mm. No, it seems when I think about dying down there, God, that seems like a lonely alien place to die. Yeah. Fucking a like other planets seem less scary to me than down there. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I can see that, yeah. I'd rather die out in outer space where I can see the stars, at least, than down there. I'm also really afraid of space. I'm afraid of the ocean depths. I I have a hard time picking one because I'm afraid of both. Like, I would never be James Cameron going down there. (laughs) It just seems claustrophobic to me. Yeah. Like, the the no light. The no light. The no light. At least in space, you have light. Yeah. 
you have abundant light. That's it's coming truth. from everywhere. That's there's a true. lot of emptiness, but there's also light everywhere. Yeah. All right, let's end it. Yeah. Whales. Dead whales. <laughs> and that's it for this episode. Dexplanations is recorded at Rabbit Pen Studios in Eugene, Oregon. It's produced, edited, and provide them sweet licks by Jonathan Cunningham. Art and logo by Monet Moran. Social media management by Alicia Fentress. And my trusty co-host is David Gerondale. I just found out that international reviews don't show up for me unless I check a review assimilator or change my locale on iTunes. So I want to thank Nutters in Australia and Captain Hasty in Canada. Thanks for your reviews, homies. If you too want to support the show, leave a review on iTunes, tell a friend to listen to your favorite episode, or go to patreon.com slash Dexplanations. All of these things really help a lot as we're trying to get more exposure for the show. And we really, 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 really appreciate you for doing that. Likely, as always, we probably got a bunch of things wrong. If you want to tell me about it or just want to bullshit, hit me up at DexplanationsPodcast at gmail.com. Tweet me at Dexplanations or comment on the Instagram. I'll bring it up in a later episode or do a new episode about it. Oh, and as for you, you could support my ecosystem for well over 100 years. Bye now. (laughs) 